You're about to listen to an episode where we talk about hunting. So you might be interested in my free guide on how to get started in deer hunting in Ireland. To get it, go to deerhunting.ie or click on the link in the show notes. From this guide, you will learn how to get a deer hunting license, obtain a firearm certificate, and get permission to hunt deer on a chosen piece of land. Everything is explained in simple language and in easy-to-follow steps. Get my free guide on how to get started in deer hunting in Ireland. Simply go to deerhunting.ie or click on the link in the show notes. This is Tommy's Outdoors 112, and this is the last episode of the podcast this year, 2021. It's been a long year, um, but don't worry, there are going to be more episodes next year, especially that this is the first episode in a series, uh, in a series where I intend to uh, bring closer to you, my viewers and listeners, uh, a subject of bow hunting. Um, bow hunting is uh, quite popular across the pond in the US. And as far as I know, this is the fastest and uh, most growing segment of uh, hunting. Um, but in, you know, in Europe and especially in the UK and Ireland, it is not that popular. Um, uh, well, probably <laughs> one of the good reasons why it's not popular is because it's illegal. And uh, to be honest, when I was starting in hunting, I won a bow hunt. Uh, it was very natural to me, a uh, very natural transition from fishing. You know, like a bow is very similar to rod, fishing rod. Uh, but unfortunately, it's uh, illegal. And uh, I think it's illegal on an animal welfare grounds, with, with, which my personal opinion doesn't make any sense at all. And I know, I know, you probably disagree, but that's fine. Um, but in any case, um, this is this is the first episode where uh, my guest, a a passionate bow hunter, Paul Rhodes. Paul is also founder of uh, Sizzling Arrows Outdoors. It's a community portal uh, dedicated to organic food and healthy eating. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, Paul is a passionate bow hunter, so we talk about bow hunting. And uh, since I Think about this episode as kind of like an introductory to bow hunting. Um, we spent considerable time, uh, considerable time talking about gear, bows, arrows. You know how all these things work, uh, because this is again uh, during my conversation about bow hunting. I noticed that a lot of people don't really realize where bow hunting stands right now, gear wise. Uh, but we also discussed a very important and uh, heated subject of whether bow hunting is humane and whether they kill, um, you know, obtained through arrowing an animal is a humane kill and what are the wounding rates and whether it's difficult and whether that uh, greater difficulty over rifle hunting translates to better training of hunters and, and all these things. So, uh I am sure that you will learn a lot from this episode and I'm sure that you will enjoy to listening to our conversation, to my conversation with Paul as much as, I, as we uh, enjoyed having that conversation. And uh, as you can see, uh, those who are watching this video, I'm wearing Tommy's Outdoors t-shirt. Those Tommy's Outdoors t-shirts are available uh, in buymeacoffee.com slash Tommy's Outdoors go to extras section and pick the size and you can buy one of those t-shirts 
Uh, and if you don't want a t-shirt, but you still want to support me and my podcast, then you can then simply buy me a coffee on buymeacoffee.com slash Outdoors. link in the description of the show. Um, and that's it, folks. Um, I wish you a uh, Merry Christmas or, uh, you know, happy holiday season, whatever is uh, your preferred way. Uh, and I also, um, I wish you a, a uh, Happy New Year, uh, because there is going to be no episode of the podcast between Christmas and the New Year. The new episode is coming shortly after the New Year. Um, so, yeah, that's it uh, from me in 2021. Uh, folks, uh, enjoy it. And now, Sizzling Arrows with Paul Rhodes. Paul, welcome to Tommy's Outdoors. Good to have you on the show. Hey, Tommy. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. It's uh, good to see you again. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's like always uh, I feel a little bit special to have uh, uh, someone from across the Atlantic. Um, <laughs> so, And, you know, I was just thinking like almost all my guests from the US of A are hunters. Even if they're scientists, it's somehow it turns out they're also hunters. Uh, I think yeah. there's like this 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 you know like it's in my head it's like the hunting is a big thing in the, in the u.s and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it in a second but speaking about hunting you just back from your michigan hunt how how it went yeah no we um i spent five days over in michigan it it, it started off rocky uh generally with any trip you know if you start off rocky it ends up doing pretty good there towards the end of it and that's exactly what happened with this trip like i I was supposed to fly out of Raleigh at 5.55. I woke up at 5.30 by accident, <laughs> so I missed my flight. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so I like hauled, uh, hauled butt over to the airport, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it. So I called the airline and explained the situation, and they're like, well, we can get you on a flight at 7.30 tonight. It'll put you there about midnight. I was like, you know what? I can drive there quicker than that. So I just packed up everything. I got a refund for the ticket. Oh, wow. And drove, yeah, I was impressed. So uh, Delta did a good job. I will give them that. Um, but uh, yeah, I drove the 11 and a half hours up to Michigan and got there about 6.30, 6.45, just in time for dinner. And um, you know, we started hunting that next morning. Seen a couple deer that morning. It started snowing while I was sitting in the tree stand. And I was hunting with my bow at that point. Um, yeah. You know, oh, and funny thing, I kind of over skipped over this. My, my buddy that invited me over, he called me on my way there because he went out hunting that evening and he's like, you wouldn't believe it. I just smoked a eight point with the crossbow. And <clears throat> apparently he was sitting on the ground and this thing came in to him about 11 yards and he plucked it right there. <laughs> <laughs> so He's like, he's like, yeah, see what you could have got if you wouldn't have missed your flight. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be hearing about missing my flight quite regularly <laughs> while I'm here. But, but, yeah, so when I first got in the stand, it was cold. I mean, Michigan's cold. Um, but it starts snowing, so I'm sitting in the stand, open stand, 
getting snowed on, freezing my butt off. And, um, you know, seen a couple does, few squirrels, nothing crazy. And we went out the, that evening, seen some does, nothing, you know, nothing crazy. And uh, a few small bucks. And the next morning we went and uh, sat in a new stand that they had put up and seen, seen a decent amount of activity. We probably seen 13, 14 deer and nothing you know shooter wise uh we did and i'm i don't like saying this but we did uh try to shoot two does and for some reason both of us missed <laughs> clean missed and I, I don't know what happened like i mean i, I can say is i'm not used to the gun but that's still not an excuse to miss uh, miss a deer at 78 yards so i don't know what happened um <laughs> so we ended up you know, shooting at those deer and, you know, we went out and looked around, couldn't find any sign of blood. And with the guns we were using that they should just fold up. And we decided to go sit back in the blind that morning and just wait and see. And we're, it's probably nine 30. My buddy looks over and he's like, Holy crap, there's a big deer over there. And I was like, really? And I put my binoculars up and all I see is this little bitty dinky thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was like, did you have something in your coffee this morning? I was like, that's not a big deer. This is a little bitty thing. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, I'm serious. It's a big one. Uh-huh. Sure. Okay. Go, whatever you say, Sean. And, you know, we're sitting there and I see another nose poke out and it was a doe. And then all of a sudden the one that I ended up getting a crack at popped out. And I mean, he's got, you know, good size horns on him. Good mature deer, eight point. And, um, and I was like, okay, now I see what you're talking about. You're not crazy. So we started running what we call doe bleats and uh, grunt calls. And we kind of mixed up a bunch of different calls there. And we ended up tr- getting the doe to come in. So he followed this doe. It was just like on a rope. That girl was pulling him in. And I ended up clocking him at 30 yards. I could have shot him with the bow all day long. But, you know, we, I was shooting a 350 Legend, uh, which is a you know, decent caliber. Um, first time I've ever shot that. But, uh, but yeah, he went 40 yards and piled up, you know, perfect lung shot and, uh, the heart didn't get touched at all. So I've got that oh, in the cooler. Me. Yeah. So we'll, we'll play around with that a little bit and, um, ended up smoking a doe the last night I was there. So, you know, brought two deer home, uh, two full coolers full of meat and, uh, had a, had a great time. Enjoyed hanging out with my buddy up there and just seeing what Michigan's all about. So it may become an annual thing and, uh, you know, the other, the thing that they do up there that is really cool. And I was like, I could get used to this kind of hunting. We're sitting in box blinds. They're fully covered. They've got propane heaters running in there. So you're not cold. <laughs> and you know, the thing I was teasing my friend, I was like, he's in there smoking cigarette. And I was like, why are you smoking a cigarette? I like they're we're hunting and didn't matter. They still come in 30 yards up, wind down, wind doesn't matter. And, <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I do so much on my scent control and you're in here smoking a cigarette and we're killing stuff. That, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, all in all, it was, it was a good trip. And I got home last night about, or not last night, but Thursday morning around one thirty uh, in, in the morning. So. Right. Congratulations. Uh, the, the people on Instagram can see, can see your, your deer and you know, like talk, talking about the Instagram and all the other stuff. Um, maybe, you know, for the, for the benefit of our listeners, you, you you know tell us about a little bit about yourself because you're you're a hunter since you could walk 
you started very early. Um, so, so give us a little bit of a, of a background, you know, how, how you started. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I was growing up, I grew up on a ranch in Wyoming, a very small town in Wyoming. We had 120 people when I was growing up and that was, that was our town. And that's probably including cats and dogs too. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, very small. Everybody knew everybody's business. Uh, there was no privacy in this town whatsoever. Um, we we had no gas stations until the year 2000, I think was our first gas station. That went oh in. my God, seriously. Yeah, yeah. So we had to drive 40 minutes to get gas. So you had to really make sure you plan. Um, same with groceries. We had no grocery stores, no street lights, no nothing. So real, real country, country town. Um you know, we had a school. Uh, I went to school. My my graduating class was five kids, and I pretty much went to school from kindergarten all the way up to graduation with the same kids. So <laughs> it was pretty much we're we're all family there. We yeah. fought like family and everything. But um, but yeah, I started hunting when I was old enough to hold a rifle. Really, uh, shot my first prairie dog, uh, varmint control at five years old. Um, shot my first deer. I want to say it was seven years old. It might have been a little bit later than that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was born and raised pretty much with the gun in my hands. And, uh, you know, I've had a love for it ever since I pulled the trigger the first time. And um, I really didn't start associating it with food until you know, I started working in restaurants. So once I decided I wanted to follow a career in uh, culinary and become a chef, is when I kind of made the connection with, okay, the meat that we're producing from these animals that we're hunting in the wild is extremely clean. Uh, it's tasty. It's not filled with a bunch of like hormones and all that junk. And it's, it's better for you because it doesn't have all the cholesterol that beef and, you know, some of these other animals do. So I was like, throughout all these years, we were eating cows because we raised cattle. And we were donating the wild game that we harvest. And once I made that connection and realization that we're, yeah, exactly. We're giving away all this precious meat to other people that we don't even know. Why are we not keeping it for ourselves? So everything that I get, I make sure that I fill up my freezer. And then, you know, if there's anything extra, if I have friends that are like, hey, can I have some venison or are you going to have an extra deer this year? Then I'll go out and purposely get one just for them. And just donate it to them. They take care of the processing and all that. But, but yeah. So I mean, I've been hunting for years. Um, you know, started my culinary journey. I, I was a chef for professionally for about ten to eleven years, and then I switched into finance field after my kid, my first son, my first kid was born, my son, um, because just the hours in the restaurant are not family friendly whatsoever. Yeah, but, I can um, imagine. But yeah. So now, now we're taking the culinary and the hunting and fishing and outdoors and mashing them together as they should be and teaching people how to do that yeah lovely lovely and and, and speaking about that you you have a podcast as well sizzling arrow Outdo outdoors um tell us tell us about the podcast how how the idea came came about yeah so the the idea of the podcast came about after i decided to start up the company sizzling arrow outdoors and i figured there's really no better way to get the word out there than to actually put it onto a bunch of different platforms and actually talk about 
the things that are important to me personally, but also would benefit other individuals as well. And, you know, we, we have interviews every month on the podcast with different uh, hunters, uh, farmers, and chefs. So we get a perspective of each one of these professions. So the thing that I looked at is that hunters and farmers, they kind of need each other in a certain way, whether it's uh, managing the herds of the animals or bringing in extra income uh, for the farmers, you know, for leases and stuff like that to help, you know, subcome some of the costs that they endure every year. And then chefs can kind of connect with both of them. You know, chefs depend on farmers more so than um, chefs depend on hunters, but um, you know, it's just kind of a a circle. So we all kind of connect with each other in this circle and um, wanted to make something that kind of brings all three of them together. And again, with the podcast, this is the best way to reach out to as many people as I can through different platforms. Yeah. So, uh, so, so obviously, everybody who is listening or watching this, uh, Sizzling Arrow, Sizzling Arrow Outdoors, any and all podcast platforms, right? Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure we're on pretty much everything. We're on the major ones, you know, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcasts, and you know, there's there's other ones out there. There's too. always so, this yeah, thing you, with podcasts, right? As you you're on these main ones, and there's like a twenty five thousand other small <laughs> ones, and like, am I even there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There there are uh, so many of them, but yeah, if you just Google Sizzling Arrow, I and mean, we pop up, and you can listen to it anywhere there. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. Listen, um, so that explains that explains the connection with food, and you know why why how, how this is this is. Con- connected hunting and, and food and uh these this theme on your on your podcast um so this thing this thing aside now we I, I really would like to talk to you about bow hunting uh because you are a bow hunter um and you know obviously the majority of my listeners and viewers are in in uh, in, in europe uh, especially ireland uk um, English-speaking uh, people from other parts of Europe as well, um, and as we know, bow hunting is not popular in Europe at all. It's it's illegal in in most of the countries. Um, so I think that it's only fair to 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 start with uh, you laying out to us a state of play when it comes to bow hunting because i think that a lot of people you know when when someone says bow hunting many people kind of don't really imagine how it's going to look like are they have like a you know like a big long bow are they using recurve bows like what what so if you could lay out you know how state of play of bow hunting how it looks right now in the us you know what are the uh types or or you know, types of bows and, and types of uh, everything that people should know as an introduction to, to bow hunting. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's a great question. So with bow hunting, especially here in the United States, it's, um, it's very, very popular. Uh, honestly, it's becoming more so than rifle, at least in my opinion, I think, because one thing, a lot of people, especially in the area that I'm at, uh, rifles are kind of frowned upon just because they, people aren't familiar with them they think that and i mean for good reason they're a little nervous because it's so populated out here so rifle can reach a lot farther than a bow can so getting permission to bow hunt out here is a lot easier than getting permission to rifle hunt 
So if you're a bow hunter and a rifle hunter and you both go to the same farm and say, hey, I would love to hunt your rant or your farm and I'm going to be doing a bow and the other guy says, I'm going to be hunting with a rifle. 75 to 80% of the time, they're going to take the bow hunter over the rifle hunter. Oh, that's interesting. That's mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's one thing because it's quieter. Um, it's not as uh, it doesn't reach out as far as a rifle would. Um, there's no chance of really a ricochet. Now, yeah, I've seen arrows come down, hit the ground and pop up. But I mean, if you have 500 yards or so, for it to do that, it's not going to, you know, it's going to come up and then come down. It's not going to ricochet and kind of shoot off and possibly blow through some little brush or whatnot. If you hit a brush with an arrow, it's going to deflect off and then probably hit some more brush and slow down. So it is a little bit safer when you're in populated areas, especially if you're shooting down from a tree, because more than more times than not, it's going to just stick right into the ground. Um, there are a couple different types of bows out there. Uh, I hunt with a compound bow. Um, I shoot a Matthews VXR 31 and a half. So what that is, is the Matthews is the brand, uh, VXR is the model and 31 and a half is how tall, like how long it is from axle to axle. So you have your cams, which are the strings wrapped around the cam and all your power is in that cam. So I've got two cams, one on top, one on bottom. And when you pull it back, they come around and get you that tension on the string. And then when you release, they release as well. And that's where you get all your momentum from. Would it, would it be fair to say that the compound bow, bows, bows are the, the most popular type of bow? Yes. Yeah, I would I would bank on that. The, the compound bows are probably the most popular bows out there. Uh, recurs come in second um crossbows are well i don't want to say recurves come in second because i'm not 100 sure and these are just kind of guesstimates on my part so i don't don't quote me on the numbers but from my opinion i think compounds would be the most popular second runner up would be crossbows which those are starting to become a lot more popular than um they used to be just because uh regulations and stuff out here are changing they're actually letting crossbows be used during archery season and consider them kind of a bow uh, anyway and for your listeners um if they're not familiar with what a crossbow is a crossbow is set up similar to what a gun is um it's you have a bolt which are generally shorter my arrows run 28 and a half inches crossbow bolts will probably be about i'd say 16 to 18 inches maybe um now, they might be a little longer. They might be about 22, 23 inches. I, I, I don't shoot crossbows. I'm just guesstimating here. But they're they're quite a bit shorter and fatter. But you pre-cock the crossbow. The limbs come vertically. And you've got kind of a rifle gun stock set up with a trigger, just like a rifle. So once you cock that back and you load your bolt, all you have to do is get up, get your scope, put on where you want to hit, and pull the trigger. So it's kind of a mix between a bow and a rifle. Is that is that the still still a thing that the that the hardcore bow hunters kind of looking down on the crossbow folks? They ah, what are you doing? Oh yeah, you can find forums online about that going back and forth. And, <laughs> you know, okay, it, so it's a big yeah, thing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's a big thing. Um, and yeah, I I can see both sides. I mean, it's great for individuals that have shoulder injuries and still want to bow hunt that can't pull back a bow. I get it for that, but. For me personally, if I'm able to shoot a compound bow, I'm not going to shoot a crossbow. Um, I just, 
it takes some of the challenge out. If I'm going to shoot something that looks and kind of feels like a gun, I'm going to shoot a gun. Yeah. Um, is the range lar- larger in the, with a crossbow? Can you can you reach fer- fer- you, your target can be further away? Yeah, I mean, you 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 should. I mean, you probably reach out maybe a hundred yards with a crossbow if you have a good one. Oh, um, okay. You know, generally, I'd, I'd like. I would say, you know, I probably wouldn't reach out more than fifty to sixty yards with those things. But yeah, they do have a little more terminal velocity with them, um, and uh, a little more power. Like some of them are pulling uh 200 uh, i think it's maybe 165 pounds they're up into the 150 pounds so you're you're pulling a lot of poundage versus mine which is a 60 pound pull yeah i was gonna say that that on the on the compound belt probably 80 90 pounds is max it's it's yeah top yeah 80 80 pounds I've, i've only heard of 190 pound bow um i've never seen one or pulled one back um you can get uh, 70 60 and 70 are about the most popular 70 probably being more so than the 60 um the nice thing about my bow is i've got a couple little pieces on the cam that i can change out i just unscrew and change it and i can make it from a 60 to a 70 oh, okay. so just with changing a uh, little um yeah, exactly. Now, uh, the bow that I'm shooting, it, it will reach out and poke something at 100 yards. Um, not that I would recommend shooting an animal at 100 yards with it, but if you're shooting, you know, targets and whatnot, you can pretty much get that thing where you want it to hit at 100 yards if you practice with it. I think that's the part. That's the part why why bow hunters look down on on crossbow folk because it's it's easier. You, you know, you you I I would imagine you can rest crossbow like you rest a rifle and yep. then you have a scope so you can be more precise in your in your aim that mm-hmm. while on the on a on a bow handheld bow you you just basically need to hold everything on in your hand so it must be more difficult yeah yeah and another thing you know with the you know the way that us hardcore bow hunters and i can't say a whole lot because my friend shoots a crossbow so i gotta be careful what i say <laughs> um, <laughs> don't, don't tell um, him about this podcast yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, but with, with that, I think it, we look at it as you can hunt in the archery season, the season that we hold kind of deer because nobody's out there blasting away. Deer are a little calmer. We have the opportunity to get up close and personal with these animals and chase them before they start going scared and running all over the place. Now we've got the crossbow hunters able to come in and have something to where they don't have to get ready they don't have to pull it back when the deer's right below them or within 15 20 yards because with compound or recurve when the deer comes in you have to get that bow and pull it back and you have to make all this movement without them seeing you that's part of the challenge and then once they get in like if they stop you have to hold this poundage which once it's full draw back because it, you pull um full poundage and then it drops off it's called the let off it drops off to like either 75 or 80% of the full draw. So you're holding probably 12 to four, like I would say probably 12 pounds roughly on mine. So, but if you're sitting here in this position where you have your shoulder up and you're holding this uh, bow back, you can only hold 12 pounds for so long before you start getting shaky and uh, your accuracy goes down. And if they, if the deer doesn't move, cause deer's going to do what it wants to do. So if he doesn't move where you can get a shot, you're going to have to let that bow down. You're going to have to let it down quietly. And you're going to have to do that motion all over again when he gives you a shot. So there's a lot of possibilities of being seen 
with bow hunting, with crossbows, they come in, you're already cocked, you're ready to go. All you got to do is lift it, put the crosshairs, pull the trigger. So it kind of, in my opinion, defeats the challenge of archery hunting. And that's one thing that um, us bow hunters love and hate. It's... (laughs) It's one of those things that it's kind of a love hate relationship because it, you can feel so much reward from knocking an animal down with a bow, but you can also feel so much frustration when you can't get the shot or if they come in too far away or you just can't get them to stop. I mean, I had that experience this year on a nice eight point here in North Carolina. He came in 33 yards, which is in my wheelhouse, but I couldn't get him to stop. Hmm. I whistled at him. I grunted at him. I did everything I could. And I was on full draw on him. I couldn't get him to stop. So I just had to watch him go by. (laughs) Frustrating. Frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, man. Listen, and tell me then, then uh, the the, the, uh, recurve bows and the long bows, are they like reserved for the, you know, just a limited uh, tribe of weirdos or people who like (laughs) super challenging situation or are they... um, uh, what I'm what I'm aiming at, like, is is the is the, the kind of like a in in air quotes in air quotes culture uh, around around the the recurve bow and, and and longbow as a you know like an elite or is it like well you you know you maybe you start with this and then you graduate towards a compound bow or is it the opposite you start with compound bow and then you're looking for more challenge and you go you know into the older more primitive gear. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with recurves and longbows, I've got such respect for the gentlemen that do that. I mean, it's, it's a whole different animal doing those. Um, you know, you're shooting instinctive, which is you're not shooting with sights. So you have to extreme, you have to practice with that so much to where it just becomes second nature for you. And, you know, I started off shooting recurve when I was young. That was the first bow that I've, uh, shot with and first bow that I hunted with. Um, you know, I, I did shoot one antelope with the recurve. Um, but it just requires, especially now, you know, with as busy as I am, uh, with family and everything, I just don't have the time to sit and practice with that, um, over and over and get as good as I need to be with a recurve, um, to feel comfortable hunting, uh, an animal with it now. Um, so to answer your question, if it's a, if you graduate to the compound, no, no. You you start off with the recurve, and then you find out if you got the time or if you're any good with the recurve, and then you decide if you want to go to the compound. Um, you know, I compounds challenging, uh, but you still have your sights. You can get them pinned in as long as you can put that pin where you want to hit and make that arrow go where you want to go. You're good. Recurve again. You're instinctive shooting um i I love shooting a recurve uh i'm actually going to probably purchase one this year to maybe do some bow fishing because they're great for bow fishing because you got a little bit less poundage uh you can uh with recurves you don't hold because with recurves you're you're pulling full weight so if you have a 45 pound bow you're pulling that 45 pounds the whole whole time Right. So pretty much there, you know, once you get a shot, you pull it back and then you look for a second, then let it go. You don't sit there and hold it because it's, you're holding so much weight. Um, long bows are the same. They're a little bit trickier than recurves are. Um, why? Just the, the setup of them. They're a lot longer. That's why they call them long bows. Um, 
And, you know, so you have the longbow and then you have the recurve and then you have the compounds that drop down into more compact packages. Yeah. But, and I, I presume that, that also the, the distance that you can shoot with the, with the recurves or longbows is it's much shorter than... Yeah, uh, for an effective kill range, it, it definitely is. You got to get closer. I would say, you know, and there may be some recurve shooters out there that say I'm full of, you know what, but... Um, I would say probably 30 to 50 yards at the max with the recurve bow. I mean, yeah, you can put an arrow out there uh, farther than that with one of those, but you're going to have to hold real, real high and lead that thing. Um, but if it's effective kill range, I, I honestly, I probably wouldn't even go past 30. Right, right, right. Okay. So I think it's fair, it's, it's fair to assume that Compound bow bows are where it's at. This is the most popular type of bow for for bow for bow hunting. So let's yeah. let's focus uh, uh, on on this uh, gear right now. Now tell us how does uh, the the projectile the arrow looks like? Because then again, this is uh, from my limited knowledge. This is far from simple. Right, like oh, it's an arrow. Yeah. There is this, the whole, you know, catalog of different shafts and and mm. and and the uh, I don't know how you call feathers or how you call the thing that is on the end, and then whole spectrum of different broadheads. And I even know about the guys who are collecting broadheads and they see the broadhead and say like, oh, this is like you know, nineteen seventy four old broadhead. You know, like, so can you just? bring these uh, flavors <laughs> how these things work <laughs> yeah no, for sure so um the arrows for compounds uh there are a couple different types of arrows you have um aluminum arrow which they tend to bend uh they're not as strong as the other arrow which is a carbon arrow um and actually there's three so there's the aluminum arrow you have the carbon arrow and then the hybrid that I'm shooting is a carbon shaft wrapped with aluminum casing. Mm. So um, it, you get kind of the best of both worlds with that one. It's very small diameter. It's a five millimeter diameter Whoa. on these things. So you can get them up to, I think, six or seven millimeter. Um, I know you can get them at six. Then I think there's maybe eight. Uh, but those are getting pretty fat. Um, those are probably more so target shooting when you get into the fatter arrows. But for hunting, I found that the five millimeter works. Um, I think the two mil uh, the four millimeter is too small. In my opinion, it's just really, really skinny. Um, they're fast. Don't get me wrong. I mean, those things are real fast. Uh, but with these, I think uh, they're waiting. Okay, so I'm going to start with the shafts. So you got your carbon shafts, your aluminum shafts, or your hybrid shafts. Um, those are cut to kind of your draw length because you you have everyone's got a different draw length. Mine is 28 and a half inches. And the way they do that, um, they've got at the archery shops, they've got an arrow that you can put on your string and you pull back and it's got numbers. And once you get full draw, it'll tell you what your draw length is. And that's where they set the bow to. Um, another way, if you don't have one of those, you don't have an archery shop and you've got an adjustable compound, you can have someone measure your arm spread and then pretty much cut that in half. And that'll be pretty close. Um, it's not going to be exact, but it'll be close. Um, but anyway, so you've got the shaft to cut your draw length um, on the end, the projectile end that goes towards the animal. Sorry, just just one thing about the shaft. So, so the the thinner the shaft is, the the faster the the arrow is. Is that is that correct? Yeah. 
And then you yeah, need to find yeah. this, but I presume it's also more more brittle or bend bends more. So that has a, is a is a drawback, right? So what's a I mean, what's a trade off uh, between you know having too thin of the shaft? So if you have too thin of a shaft, one like you said, it's it's going to be a little more brittle. Um, most of the arrows are uh, very very strong, no matter how thin they are. Um, some of the sacrifice you're going to get from that would be. Um, you have increased speed, which is good, but you're going to have less momentum once it gets there. It's going to have less of a pass through, I guess you would, because your, your arrow is going to be lighter because you have less arrow. So um, I've, I've found that, you know, these skinny arrows are hard to get out of targets because the uh, field point that you practice with or your practice point um, kind of comes out of the end a little bit. So trying to pull it out of a target can be tough. Um, but I, again, I don't have a lot of experience with the real small ones cause I just don't shoot them. Yeah, sure. Um, but you know, the, I've, I've seen, you know, of course, if you get the fatter ones, the wind drift is going to be a little bit more, they're going to be a little slower because they're heavier. Um, but you'll have a little bit better. So pretty much like with the, with the bullet choice, you just need to know what mm -hmm. you do, when, and what are the conditions, and you and and then probably what suits your style best. And yeah. this is yeah. this. okay. Sorry, so I was just want to clarify that from from uh, over the shaft. So no, now we yeah. onto the yeah. uh, the 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 projectile points. Yeah, yeah. So the projectile, or if you want to call it field point or broadhead, depending on which one you're using, your field point is practice tips they're just they're kind of pointy little uh smooth ends that you can put on the end of the arrow um they can run from 85 grains to 100 grains to 125 grain depending on what you're wanting your broadhead to be so i do in the middle i shoot a 100 grain tip so all my field points are 100 grains um, broadheads, what they are, you've got two types of broadheads. You've got the expandable broadhead, which is a mechanical. Uh, so practically you either have a rubber band holding the blades to the tip. Oh. So they kind of fold in and they get held by a rubber band or you have the, um, locking mechanism. I can't remember what the technical term for it is, but there's ones that require no, uh, rubber band. And those are the ones that I use and they just kind of clip into place. So once they hit the animal, these blades will push out and they'll come out and then they end up making like a one and a quarter to two inch cut, depending on which one you have. Mm -hmm. And you have three razor blades on the end of this tip. So, and they're, they're razor sharp, uh, scary. So, sharp. so I guess the idea is to have a, like a, a lot of cutting surface once you hit the animal to uh, have a, like a more bleeding and, and so on, but at the same time, while the arrow travels through the air, it's it's more aerodynamic. That's the yes. that's the idea. Okay, so these are yeah, expandable yeah. Uh, broadheads. Yeah. yeah, so the expandables shoot pretty much the same as your field points do. So there's going to be less tuning required to the bow, less fiddling with it. Um, because they're going to shoot pretty much the same as what you're practicing with, which that is a huge plus. That's one reason why I like them so well. Um, some disadvantages before we get into the fixed blades, the disadvantages to the mechanicals, they are prone to failure at some point. Um, sometimes they don't open. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they will deflect off a rib if you're doing a quartering shot. So you have to kind of practice these different angles and practice with these heads a little bit before you go out. So you know what you're um, 
like what is possible for that broadhead. Like there are certain broadheads that I won't use because they do not do quarter shots. Um, unfortunately, I learned that one in the field the hard way. So, yeah, it's just kind of a lesson learned not to use those heads anymore. So I switched over to, uh, they're called Grim Reaper. And I also use one that's called a Nap Spitfire, which both of those are pretty good on quartering shots. I don't do steep quarters, uh, just to where they're kind of turned a little bit. I usually try to wait for them to get broadside before I make a shot. But I haven't had any failures with those, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully this isn't the season for that to happen. But, um, but yeah, the broadheads, uh, fixed blades shoot real well and um they've had you know if you get the right one they they work they perform well too um now fixed blades they are just like like it's said in the name they are fixed you don't have mechanical mechanisms to them they're just the razor blades that are kind of machined into the head practically there's little slits that you can put these razor blades into they're like like if you're replacing a box cutter Blade is kind of like that, um, but they're made a specific way for this head to look like an arrowhead. Um, those require more tuning. Uh, you have to fiddle with your bow a little bit more to make sure that they fly straight. Um, arrow dynamics, you know, once you get them sighted in, if you would, uh, they fly really straight. Uh, but you got to got to make sure that you tune it in the way that it works with your arrow. Oh, gotcha. So that does require some. So time. so it, it, the, the characteristics is different than your than your training points because of, because mm -hmm. of the blade is okay. So that means that you also need to kind of train or try at least these broadheads, you know, on the target. Yes. Yeah. No. That's uh definitely. I mean, no matter what broadhead you're shooting, you should definitely shoot at least one out of the pack into a target just to make sure that it's flying straight and make sure that your arrows like them the way they are. Now, uh, again, with the, with the fixed blades, you're going to have to shoot a couple different ones just to make sure that they're flying right. And then you're going to have to adjust your sight to uh, accommodate for that. Okay. Okay. Is there also any, any, any science and complication to the, the, the to the end part of the arrow? Uh, to the how how do you call that feathers or how do you call this these okay yeah so the veins so the veins. um you know with recurve bows you you can use the veins you can use feathers for the veins some people do use those especially the real traditional guys that make their own arrows out of wood um but for compounds we have veins so we have uh two and a half inch three inch and i think there's four inch veins um i use the little blazer veins they're about I want to say two and three quarter inch veins on mine, but um, I found that they they work pretty well. Uh, the two inch ones stick out a little too far, so they kind of bounce off my cable on my bow, which throws my shot off. So these little bit longer ones um, are a little bit thinner when they come around. So they're kind of they're kind of a tear. I don't want to say teardrop, like half of a teardrop. So if you have a picture of a teardrop, you just cut that in half, and that's kind of what your vein looks like. So my arrows have three veins on them. Some people put four. Um, you can customize them any way you see fit if you fletch your own. So when you fletch it, that's when you glue the veins onto the arrow. Um, some of them have an offset, like some of them have a two-inch offset or whatnot, and they make the arrow spin uh, a little bit better, kind of like similar to when a bullet leaves the barrel, how your rifling in the barrel makes the bullet spin. 
these veins do the same thing with the arrow. They make the arrow kind of spin as well. Okay. So the more of an offset you have, the more of a spin you're going to get, and uh, it's going to lead to a better accuracy. So is it more popular for so people can obviously can they can buy arrows that are already made? But how how like is would it be fair to say? And uh, now I'm I'm guessing I I don't know that, but is it like? I would imagine that the more experienced, more hardcore bow hunters are building their own arrows, and then uh, how? Like, so is it? Is it like no serious hunter ever buy ready-made arrows? Is it? Is it this how it works? You really need to buy all those pieces and try it out and 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 figure this out, or is it like for convenience? You just you can just go in and buy an arrow that you know that these arrows. They have all the things together, and they I, I know how to shoot them. They shoot good, good for my for my bow. Yeah, so, I mean, you don't have to do your own arrows by any means. I don't do my own. Um, I would like to, but I just haven't got around to getting the equipment uh, to do it, or uh, do I have the time to do it? Probably not. So it's a little bit like with, with self-loading for, for, a, for a rifle, where you can load, do your own loads and so on, but yeah, you actually buy the pack of exactly exactly and yeah i'd love to do that as well you know load my own ammo and kind of play around with it but again time becomes a factor gotcha gotcha so th this is what i wanted to know that this is not like a common thing that everybody just makes their own arrow so most of so would it be fair like say most people just go and buy an arrows that they know they work for them so your average bow hunter probably will go and buy their arrows from a shop or have the shop do them for them you know the fletching and everything um there are some diehard bow hunters that will fletch their own and that do fletch their own and they do very well and they have very precise uh arrows and groups out of those um individuals that do competition shooting uh, along with bow hunting probably will fletch and make their own arrows so you know to have that more very precise tuning of that arrow and make it exactly the way they want it um, you know, as long as I'm shooting probably a one inch to two inch group of three arrows, I'm pretty happy with that. If I, if I'm getting, you know, a one to two inch group out of about 60 yards, I'm pretty happy with that. So that means, I mean, the kill zone is about the size of a plate. So if I can get it down to, um, I want to say golf ball size. Wow. If I, if I can put it in the golf ball size. Uh, which I think is about one inch across or maybe two inches across. But um, if I can get it in that zone, I'm, I'm golden. I'm good to go. So I can do that with uh, arrows that I just run down to the local hunting store and get. Um, you know, I, there are companies online that will customize your arrows. I use Black Orvis for my arrow purchase this time around. They fletched them. They put the offset they wrapped it so um they did whatever i wanted to it and then cut them to length and sent them to me as long as you know your length you you can do that okay gotcha gotcha listen so just to finish off the the whole thing about gear one last thing that i think is very important to the next subject i want to talk to you about is the sites you know how does the sites work and because you actually ha have a sites on the bow and and that which which that gives you this reasonable or even more than reasonable accuracy that you just talked about that you can you know uh, be reasonably sure where your where your arrow goes yeah for sure uh so the sites there there's a couple different sites on there um you've got the set pin sites which you have like you can do like three pins four pins or five pins 
Um, with the set pin sights, you can have uh, vertically or horizontally. Um, if I'm doing set pin, I like the horizontal because there's less stuff in the way uh, to distract my eye. I tend to kind of have a wandering eye, so I like to have little stuff as possible. Um, the sight that I use is a single pin. It's just one little pin, mm-hmm. um, and it's got a dial on the side to where I can adjust my yardage. So I, I goes, it goes from 20 yards to a hundred yards. Um, so practically I just have to be able to adjust it to wherever I need it to be when the animal's coming in. So most of the places that I hunt, I've got a range of 20, like 15 yards out to about 40 yards. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry. Um, so I know my 25 yard pin will be good at 20 yards and it'd also be good at 30 yards. I just need to hold just a smidgen lower. Like if I'm shooting for right behind the shoulder, I may hold at You know, if I have my 25 yard pin set and he's at 20 yards, I may hold the pin down kind of the, where the white of the leg comes up. Um, and then if I'm shooting 30, I'm going to hold it just a little bit higher, uh, on kind of where the shoulder joins to where it's going to compensate for that little bit of a difference. But, you know, with that, you know, the single pin for me makes it so much easier because I just got one thing I have to focus on instead of a bunch of different ones and trying to figure it out. And you probably also see more through the, through the actual site because you don't, like you said, you yes. don't have them in a way. Exactly. And, um, they're, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the fibers. They've got, the fibers that gather light and I can't, it's not coming to me the name of it, but um, I want to say holographic, but I know that's not right. Um, but the fibers within the site, uh, the sun will collect in those and kind of brighten that dot up a little bit. Oh, so gotcha, when gotcha, you are, gotcha. It's, yeah. it's like a light conduct, conductive uh, kind of like a light conductors or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and uh, forgive me because I can't think of the name of them right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I, I know um, what you, I know what you mean. I, <laughs> it's the same thing. The, the name is just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gone. Um, but yeah, those are really good in low light situations, and kind of the way that I gauge if I'm able to still hunt or not, or if I should get down, is when I can't see my pin. Hmm. Like if if I can't see anything through there and I can't make out the silhouette. I'm not going to shoot anything. It's time for me to get down. But um, kind of uh, real quick on the other gear for the bow. I, I didn't mention the rest. There, you know, you have to have a rest that you put your arrow on. Um, if anyone looks to get into bow hunting, I recommend the drop away rest because what it is is two forks that you put your arrow in between, and once you release that arrow, those forks drop, and your arrow has full clearance. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So, um, and then of course you have your stabilizer, which you put on the front, which will stabilize the bow a little bit. Most bows are pretty stable even without that, but it gives you a little bit extra stability. Um, and then you've got your release. You've got a wrist release, the one that you strap around your wrist and it's got a little trigger like a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, or you have your thumb release, which is just a handheld, real small thing. And then you, when you pull it back, you use the pressure from the th- like you pull it back when you're getting ready to release you pull it back and let the pressure from your thumb release that so that increases accuracy because it avoids target panic because each time you release it it's always a surprise <laughs> gotcha gotcha okay so i think we have a pretty comprehensive picture that this is this is really like uh, well thought out and well developed gear so now i want to uh, get into the subject that um, we, we often 
uh, here discussed, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is the same in the U.S. Uh, being discussed, how, you know, how humane is bow hunting? And this is like, a, 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 at least I, I've got myself into a couple of argu- arguments recently, you know, whether whether it's less humane because there are, there is a higher um, wound rate, there's more animals that may get wounded, there's more difficult, there's a higher chance of, you know, screwing up shots and doing something else. Therefore, is less humane or even some people will think it's fundamentally inhumane then there is the other group that says like well look uh first of all uh those people are because it's so much more difficult they are well well trained much better trained than the, than the rifle shooters because rifle often gets you know underestimated that it also requires training and and some practice uh plus the fact that the that you can release an arrow and it's quieter and animal sometimes doesn't even know what hit him. Uh, you don't have, you, you know, there's a lot of discussion around this this um, uh, concussive power and and then the the, the uh, hydrostatic shock that is in the animal, which is in the, with the rifle, and it isn't. You don't have hydrostatic shock in the animal when you hit it with a with an arrow, or or maybe you, you you can you can correct me if I'm wrong on anything that I'm saying. And then some people say, yeah, it's more humane, quicker kill if you do have this shock. And some people will say, like, well, actually, not at all because animals don't have this shock, and therefore this is more humane. So, what what are the, your views? You like like you? I'm sure you've been in the twenty five thousand of these conversations. So, uh, I, I want to hear you know your your views on this as a practicing bow hunter okay yeah uh, great question so um as far as humane kills uh, you can have humane kills with a bow you can have humane kills with a rifle you can have inhumane kills with a bow you can have inhumane kills with a rifle when it comes down to it it, it really depends on the hunter it depends on the person behind the equipment Um, if you're going to take a bad shot, whether it's a rifle or a bow, you're going to have a wounded animal, um, with kind of going to what you said about practicing and being more, um, equipped and ready, uh, for bow hunters. I I think that is probably true with a lot of them. Um, cause you know, we're with a bow, I can practice in my backyard. I don't have to drive anywhere. I've got a 20 to 30 yard range in my backyard where I can shoot anytime I want, any time of the day. Um, so the opportunity to actually practice is more there. Um, as far as like, okay, let me put, let me put it this way. So let's say you are out in the field, you have a rifle hunter and a bow hunter. The bow hunter makes a bad shot and he shoots the deer high and like low in the leg the bow passes through and the deer's limping off if you have a rifle hunter that's using lead bullet does the same thing shoots that deer in the same spot blows the leg off runs lead through the leg that deer is going to more than likely die for one he's got more shock and damage to the leg because it got hit and blew all the bones off and spread lead all the way through the bloodstream. So he's going to end up either having gangrene infection or some sort of infection along those lines from the no leg. Uh, he's probably going to get lead poisoning, uh, too. Um, the one with the bow kill, 
if it's a clean shot through that, that thing's going to heal up. He may have a little bit of pus and whatnot, but he's going to be able to live another day. Hmm. So as far as humane, again, it depends on shot placement. It depends on the hunter. If you have someone that's never shot a rifle, goes out and shoots a deer, makes a bad shot. That's, that's not humane. Um, and the deer is not going to die a quick death either. Uh, If you shoot them in the hindquarters with a bullet, it's going to have a lot of hemorrhaging. It's going to put them into shock. He's going to end up probably being eaten alive by coyotes because he's not going to be able to move too much. Um, with a bow, you know, you're going to have some pain. You're going to, you know, it's going to cut them up, but it's a cleaner cut. Uh, it's going to be able to be healed quicker. Um, and I've seen, I've seen bad shots with both. Um, but the ones with the bow and arrow, if it's a bad shot, generally that animal will recover depending on where you hit them. Mm-hmm. If you hit them far back, um, it's best just to let them sit. Like if you hit them through the guts or whatnot with a bow, you know, it's best to let them sit for a little while and then go get the dog and try to track it down. Um, you know, you'll, it'll probably die down somewhere go bed and lay down and die. Um, if you shoot them with a rifle in a bad spot like that, uh, same thing. Let them let them sit. No, that's it. That's that's a good point. That actually, even even if you're if you take a bad shot and you wound the animal, the probability of animal recovering from the from the uh, bow shot is it's much higher because it doesn't have this concussive force because it doesn't you know like destroy absolutely everything on its way, and yeah. and then. And- when it comes to ac- to actual uh, uh, shot, you're, you already said that earlier earlier on. Like you you cutting fairly significant wound with the arrow, so the so the bleeding is 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 you know I think is as catastrophic as it is in case of rifle. Yeah, would that be yeah. correct? If you, yeah. So if you, I mean, you're you're not gonna get the uh, the shock effect uh, like from the blast of the rifle. Um, but you, you definitely do a lot of damage with these heads. Um, just for a couple examples, um, the farthest shot that I've ever made with my bow, um, was over a hundred yards with the bow. Wow. Um, it, it was, it was one of those to where I was chasing this deer for three days and he skunked me every stinking time. And I, under like I estimated him coming over the ridge at a uh, one point, which was 73 yards. And he came over the ridge at another point, which was a hundred, a hundred yards from where I was. And I was like, you know what? And this is not something I practice on a regular basis. This is something I did one time. Um, but I dialed my dial all the way to a hundred yards and I pulled back and I let it go. And I shot right below the deer like clean miss right below his like right next to his feet Mm -hmm. so i was able to get another arrow readjust it compensate for how far i was off i let it go i clocked him here in the front shoulder it came out the other end heart lung and he went right over the other edge and dropped so even at that range if you get him in the right shot or get him and hit him in the right spot they're not going to go more than 20 yards and expire. Um, I had one last year at 12 yards, which that's more, that's, that's a better bow shot. Not, not at a hundred yards, but 12 yards. Um, he came in, I 
drew back, let, let the arrow go. And he flinched, but didn't move. Mm. He started looking around like he was, you know, nothing happened. I thought I missed it. I was like, there's no way I missed him at 12 yards. And I started second guessing my equipment, second guessing myself. And then he started walking off and I was like, I missed it. What, what the heck happened? And then I looked over and he started teetering and then he just fell over. <laughs> so he, there was, there was no stress to that animal whatsoever. Um, it, it hit him. He didn't even know he was hit. So, I mean, he may have just felt a little, a little pinch. I mean, who knows what animals feel? Yeah. Um, but it, it didn't phase him one bit until he actually expired, which, you know, I hear that over and over again with extremely sharp broadheads. As long as your equipment's tuned up and sharp, um, those animals don't suffer uh, hardly at all uh, if you hit them in the right spot. It's it's fantastic that you said that because this is this is again also a story that I heard more than once that that the animal doesn't even doesn't even know it just stands there comes back to grazing or just you know keep chasing does or just looks around and then and then expires. That's something that will never happen with a rifle. It, the animal was not going to miss being being hit hit by a, by a rifle um yeah yeah but so so but overall would you would you agree with the with the view that the wounding rates will be higher with the with the bow or is it uh, not really your practice what you see in the pra in practice i'm gonna, i'm going to have to say i do agree with that that the wound rate is higher with the bow um But the one thing is that I don't know if people realize is what I mentioned earlier is that even if you wound that animal with the bow, the likelihood of it actually surviving that shot and living another year is a lot, a lot better than if you get a wound with a rifle. Um, just because of the lead factor uh, with a lot of bullets that are being used, I mean, you're, you're going to end up having lead poisoning. And then if, if you can't find that animal uh, after it's been shot with a bullet, Um, and that lead is in that animal and the scavengers start eating on it. You're sickening the vultures, the coyotes, or, you know, whatever predatory animals you have out there, um, crows and hawks and stuff like that. So, you know, there, there's advantages and disadvantages to both, but just because archery is a lot more challenging and there's a lot of things that can deflect that arrow even a twig like a real small twig smaller than a pencil can throw that arrow off if you can't see it and i've been there done that i've missed uh, my fair share of animals due to hitting things that i didn't see yeah. um so yeah the wound rate i would say would be a little bit higher with archery just because it, it is what it is and and one thing that that i also uh we probably should have touched on this when we talk about equipment These arrows, they're you can use them again. They're not like single use, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that's the other thing is that um, once you pull the trigger on a gun, boom, that that bullet's done. I mean, you can reload it. You got the casing, but once you hit the release on your arrow, you go and pull that arrow out of the target. You get it again, or you shoot an animal with that arrow. As long as you can find it, you can use it again. As long as it's not broke, you need to check it, make sure that there's no cracks or splinters. Um, because arrows have known to blow up in the bow. Like once you release, if there's a crack or splinter in it, they can, uh, cause the force from that string is so much. If there's any kind of, uh, 
issue with the arrow or a splinter or crack or anything like that, that friction is going to just destroy that arrow. And there's been people that have run arrows through their hands <laughs> because of that. Um, I had one blow up on me one time and part of the arrow went this way. I got like little splinters of um, carbon in my hand. Mm. Uh Luckily, I didn't get any in my eye. I mean, some people get them in their face, and you know, it. You have to check your equipment uh, because it can be you know, uh, crippling uh, in some instances if you don't take the time to check your arrows. Yeah, yeah. but and, yes, you can use them over again. Yeah, and I guess that's there's also that when you when you when you shoot an animal and you shoot shoot an animal, the animal runs away. Um, when you shoot it with with gun then you're basically guessing you know i think i you know it felt good i don't think i missed him right and then you're looking for a blood and so on with with the with a bow when you can find an arrow and you can then you can see the past you can see the blood on the arrow and then you basically know right that's probably yeah, a factor yeah, as well yeah exactly and that's the nice thing about the arrows is that once you retrieve that arrow if you can find it um the type of blood that's on that arrow you can pretty much tell where you hit that animal um, dark red means probably liver ish, uh, area. If it's got, if there's hardly any blood and it's kind of, um, uh, puke green on it, that means you got them in the gut. Uh, you're going to want to back out and leave them be for a little while. Um, bright red, that would be lung, uh, especially if it's bright red with bubbles on it. Um, so it, you know, it, it'll tell you more. That arrow will tell you more than what a rifle or bullet will tell you. So, so overall, um, for you, obviously, uh, you you prefer bow hunting over rifle hunting, even with a more more difficulty. Like, wh what's the biggest appeal for you? Is it is it a difficulty or is it like a tackle? Because, like, I, you know, I, I said many times on these on this podcast that I when I started hunting, I wanted hunt with with a bow because it's just as an equipment was way cooler for me and me coming from the angling background it's it's way more like a fishing rod because you have a flexing elements and you have a lines and you have all these things so that was an, an, an appeal for me uh why i wanted and i i still do want to you know go bow hunting uh one day maybe um but what's your what's the main appeal for you? So um, you hit on a little bit. The, the challenge of it uh, definitely is probably the biggest appeal for me. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy the challenge of it. I like being so close to the animals. And I feel that bow hunting makes me a better outdoorsman and more ethical hunter uh, because I, I don't take risky shots with it there's uh, not not an opportunity to take a risky shot i mean if you're if you're hunting rifle and i'm sure we've all done this it's like okay well that'll make it through that brush there i, I think i'm good <laughs> um <laughs> so it you know with with bows you have to make sure that you're more in tuned with your surroundings you're more in tuned with nature uh in a sense because you're looking at different ways to uh, different shooting lanes when you're out there. Like I pre-range everything. Um, I make sure that I take my binoculars and look for twigs through places that I think are uh, good shooting lanes because, you know, those things will pop out out of nowhere. Um, but I may, I wait for them to be perfectly broadside. If I don't feel confident with the shot, I'm not going to take the shot. Um, the other thing is the quietness of it and the accessibility that I can get to different farms because it, is not uh, as much of a threat to uh, 
people, at least that they think it's not a threat to them as far as like ricochets or, you know, long distance. So you have more opportunity as a bow hunter to go different places. So, um, and to be honest with you, I'm probably more confident with my bow than I am with any rifles in my case. Yeah, obviously, this is this is all you know. We, you practice with a bow, and that's that's your your tool of choice. So obviously, yeah. Um, listen, man. Uh, thanks a lot for that. That's um, I I think you made a lot of good arguments, and you know I I know that the um, the 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 European organization of hunting there kind of statement or position on on bow hunting is that you know they're they're you know if local organizations want to do it and local governments want to do it they support it and this is all down to really um local hunting organizations and 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 local governments to to enable that um so definitely for anyone who thinks about it uh this podcast will give a lot of food for thoughts and a lot of good arguments uh that you that you made about uh you know safety of it and and uh, you know potential recovery rates and you know i personally just 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 for the record i i do think that uh i don't know if it's more humane but it's, uh, i don't think it's it's less humane and definitely i don't think it's fundamentally un unhumane i i don't think that this statement has any uh reflection in reality it is as as humane as and like you said it all depends on the on the person who uses the gear and you can take equally reckless shots with a rifle with the added risk of actually you know shooting someone or or or, or damaging property while well, with a bow it's it's a little bit less um uh, likely this this thing to happen so so thank you for that listen listen paul uh t tell us like where where people can find you and how pe people can you know uh get get in touch i, I mentioned the very top of the show the instagram and then and then mentioned the sizzling arrows uh, arrow outdoor outdoors but now no, just get, give us uh you know all the all the media and stuff uh, how people can find you yeah definitely so um i can be found at uh, as uh, tommy said instagram uh facebook uh twitter uh, YouTube, all at Sizzlin' Arrow. And you, know, you can connect with me through my website, www.sizzlinarrow.com. Um, my email is paul at sizzlinarrow.com. And that can be found on the website as well. But yeah, pretty much anything you want to know about Sizzlin' Arrow, or if you want to connect with me, you can do that through our website. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. And, you know, we have the podcast too, as Tommy mentioned. Uh, we're doing two episodes a month, uh, interview show at the end of the month. And then we try to get, uh, one just for thought episode where I just kind of talk about random topics uh, around hunting, cooking, or, uh, farming and, you know, cover that probably towards the middle of each month. So, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that you're on Twitter. I was looking, I, 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 I give you a phone. Very rarely. <laughs> okay. Okay. That, that's yeah, a, but it, I didn't, I think I didn't even find, uh, the, the, the profile. I don't know. I, I'll check, I'll check it again. I'll give you a follow. That's yeah. For sure. Yeah. Twitter I'm not very active on Twitter mm, yeah. at all. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's not for everybody. Mainly Instagram. I, I get it. Yeah. I get it, man. I get it, man. <laughs> yeah. But on the Instagram, people can even like, could, could follow your, your, uh, Michigan hunt uh where where it, it was great listen paul thanks again appreciate your time yeah not a problem Tommy. thanks for having me buddy <laughs>